0: Oliver Dixon on SAFM. 19 minutes after 11 o'clock, you are listening to The Talking Point. My name is Oliver Dixon. State of the Nation is happening today. SABC uh, and SAFM in particular will be bringing you a special broadcast. Koketo Sechani will be broadcasting live from uh, Cape Town City Town Hall, bringing us coverage of the State of the Nation address. That broadcast begins at around half past six this evening. So do tune in. You can listen to the State of the Nation address live here on SAFM for that. What do we expect? A lot of big uh, issues on, on, on the table this evening. The president has to respond to the energy crisis and he can't do so separated from the climate crisis. Given now that we've made a commitment to climate justice and a just transition, the conversation about energy stability is inextricable from the conversation around climate. We have to speak about the ballooning social welfare grant system. Can we still continue to afford it? What does that mean for our tax brackets when the the, uh, Minister of Finance announces uh, later this month his uh, budget speech for the year? Unemployment is a big issue. Crime and safety, one of our callers raised, is a massive, massive issue, and it really, really is. The economy in shambles. The president has a very high mountain to climb if he aims to inspire a country to move forward can he do so my guest is dr tabi singh Muliko, development economist at stellenbosch bosch business school dr Muliko, can he do so uh
1: thank you so much for having me and a very good morning to you me um i think the, the 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 sentiment that you've raised uh show that the nation is at a critical point, um, and I think we're beyond what is known as a turning point.
2: Mm. Um,
1: We're at a moment where uh, we do not need another speech, Um, we do not need another set of promises, Uh, we do not need another set of um, uh, uh, targets. I think what is uh, deliberately needed in this point in time is a nation to uh, reflect and uh, take decisive and deliberate action uh, because of the impending crises that we have. Besides the uh, economic crisis that has been ongoing uh, since uh, pre-COVID days, um, we have an energy crisis that has imploded upon the nation. We've had a social crisis uh, uh, and a gender-based violence crisis at a social level uh, that hasn't been quelled. So there is a state of uh, of crisis where I think there's a paralysis upon the nation. And I think the kind of leadership that we need now is not one that is just going to make announcements, uh, but we really need to collaborate and uh, convene as a nation. And so what are the necessary actions that have to be taken to change mm-hmm. the course that we are on? It's not enough for us to simply hear announcements. We have to have, I'd say, decisive uh, and deliberate leadership that points us to uh, a change outcome. And I think that's what we need desperately. Uh, whether uh, we will get uh, uh, that um, t- tonight uh, we will hear uh, when the president speaks. Mm. Uh, if it is uh, the same kind of speech, which is promises and and, and and the like, uh, it is unlikely that the institutional and the government arm, uh, business together with government, haven't been able thus far to change the course that we are on with the current actions that are taken. Mm. So what it will take for me is a deliberate uh, reform even in the mechanisms that are employed. And I think that's where we need to have the
0: discussion. The president uses the term social compact as a replacement concept for reform, very honest. Uh, very often. Um, he says, through a social concept, we will be able to change society. Yet social and business partners haven't been able to for five, six years now agree on a social compact of any sort. Is, okay. Does that point to an inability on part of President Ramaphosa to make this happen? Uh, one let and me, two. What does it mean for the confidence that our social and business partners have in him as a leader? Let me
1: let me let me take us a step back, Olufemi When sure. you talk about the need to get the nation together in one place, in one mind, in one heart, my my view and my belief. I'm an economist. I'm a statistician. I teach statistics to students. Um, I'm a scholar. But I think that where we need to go as a nation is to take a step back. And to reflect, I think this nation needs to call for prayer. I think we're at a time where, uh, when you recall pre-1990, there was impending violence.
2: Mm. There
1: was a state of crisis in the nation. Uh, reforms did not look like they were going to happen uh, until there was a speech that was made by F.W. Clark, who then took a different turn, even surprised his own colleagues uh, by the different turn that he took. Uh, and announcing uh, the release uh, at the time of uh, the former president, uh, uh, Nelson Mandela. We are at a point in time where there's impending crises in the nation. Uh, There's impending um, uncertainty socially, economically, politically. Um, There is unrest across different pockets of society. The number of civil riots that have taken place, the strikes, You know, there is just an implosion that is happening in the country. And for us to simply continue along this trajectory, thinking that uh, the normal modus operandi is what's going to get us out, is not sufficient. Mm. So my one thing that I would say, it's not about getting business necessarily with the president in a social compact. I would say the nation needs to answer and heed your call for prayer and really do what we did in pre-1990s in the late 80s where every family, where every home was on their knees seeking divine intervention. We do need natural actions that will then take us forward uh, because that is what will uh, uh, enable us to put together a plan to put together a, for, a plan of action. But the lack of i say uh, collaboration, the lack of uh, ability to get solutions, uh, the lack of willingness to look at the national interest and not at interests, whether they're political interests, whether they're uh, uh, co- colonial power interests that are entrenched, whether it's business interests that are entrenched. I think every stakeholder has to go beyond looking at their own interests for the good of the nation. Uh, every uh, political party has to look beyond their own interest for the good of South Africans and the good of the nation. Uh, Every pocket of society has to begin to look at what is in the interest of South Africa instead of their own interest. And so what has happened thus far, and what you've seen from a a socio-political perspective, is that each sector or constituency of society is looking at his or her own interests at the detriment and at the demise of the nation. Mm. And I think we have to step back and say, what is required for South Africa to reunite towards one national goal? And I think we need a vision. And so the social contact, I think the reason why it hasn't yielded fruit, uh, uh, there's a neglect process, there are stakeholders that meet, and they're not able, even with the agreed goals and targets, to yield any momentum is because even the arm of the state the government which is supposed to implement even business uh, i say there's a disjointedness in terms of uh, direction for the country and the mechanisms to take us forward uh, there's not a necessarily a collaborative approach Uh, because each part of society is pulling its own way. So Mm -hmm. my cry for for South Africa would be, let's go back on our knees. Let's pray and ask God to intervene and help us. Let's ask God to fix our hearts so that we can look at the interests of the nation and not of our own interests. Um, And that would be, for me, the first premise um, uh, that we need to do, is to go back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Things are a real mess, if I can put it. There is nowhere where there is murder, everywhere there is murder, everywhere there is poverty, everywhere there is chaos. It seems there is such disarray. But I believe that there is a purpose for this nation. Um, and I'm strong proponent and believer that South Africa will reform, will be revived, will come out of this darkness that we are in. But we cannot continue along this trajectory at all. How, useful,
0: how useful is such a, a, a call to action politically, right, given that Uh, Oftentimes, uh, they use morally charged words in in, in political speech, such as resilience and togetherness Mm. and a call for prayer as a way of often pacifying people who are disgruntled with the status quo and not as a means to bring about a vision. You say there's a need for a vision. Uh, a vision is most useful when it's bottom-up, right? But uh, we're in a situation where we do need a top-down vision as well. We do need to know what is the vision for the country at the level of the governing party and the level of the president. Is there one, an identifiable one, or is is it just a crisis of communication? I think
1: that uh, prayer doesn't pacify, obviously. Prayer, for me, calls on people to reflect and to call for divine intervention as well as reflect Because the one thing that we need is to change first ourselves as individuals. I think from the leaders that we have, uh, the hearts and the the motives of our leaders need to be rechecked. Because the reasons why you have the outcomes that you have right now in the country, whether it's economically, we can talk to economics. I've got all the numbers I can share with you, all the economic jargon we can discuss. Uh, we can discuss the energy available factor. We can discuss, you know, all the poverty issues mm, and why mm. we're here. But the issue is that we're here because there is a man or a woman who has taken a decision against the intent of what is purported for this country. Uh, there is a man or woman somewhere, whether it's institutionally, whether it's from a policy perspective, whether it's from a business perspective, who's looking at his or her own interests rather than the interests of the nation. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a real problem. It starts with the man or the woman, the individual herself. So I don't think it's necessary to pacify people to say, don't do anything. Rather, what I would say is that people need to start to rebuild. So when you are uh, uh, at a place and a point in time where you're calling for a divine intervention, for prayer, for people to reflect, is to say, we have messed up.
2: Mm. That's
1: the first point. We have gone the wrong path. It's to acknowledge that we have turned astray. We have done wrong. Because the problem in South Africa is that we, we're going in circles is there's no admission of guilt, if I can say it. There's no admission that we went wrong somewhere. There is a blame game with all form of people saying this one is responsible, that one, and everyone countering, and people are defensive, defending themselves, institutions are defending themselves, we're in a state of paralysis, because instead of us saying and accepting that there has been a problem somewhere, we have gone wrong in our institutions, in our policies, in the way in which we've implemented solutions, they haven't worked,
2: mm-hmm. in our way
1: of uh, of governing, it hasn't worked. So we probably need to review view, based on the outcome. So all the institutional outcomes, let me talk to some of them uh, just for the be, 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 of the Before
0: listening? you do, I just want us to take a quick break there because I do have to take the news headline and we can speak about that re- uh, rejuvenation of our institution and the institutional outcomes and perhaps how Absolutely. to align our institutions along uh, a shared vision. Uh, but it's half past 11. Dina Mutawungi has your headlines. You are listening to Oliver Dixon on the Station of the Year. It is half past eleven. I'm in conversation with Dr. Ntabi Seng Muliko, a development economist at Stellenbosch Business School. Uh, uh, Dr. Muliko, does 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 the president have at grasp a vision for what our institutions should be doing and how they should be aligned? And I want you to speak to that, uh, carrying on from your last answer. I specifically asked this because. There's a cabinet reshuffle that may or may not happen, that should have happened, that we're not sure about, and that we're um, in, in sort of anticipation of, and we don't know what that will mean for our institutions. Will certain institutions be done away with? Will certain institutions receive more political support and political power than they previously held? Will they be absorbed into others? As as cabinet constantly gets reshuffled, uh, it has an impact on how our institutions align, both in government but also other state institutions that have... Mm-hmm. Uh, not an executive authority, but have a, a you know a judicial uh, sorry a, a a constitutionally enshrined uh, authority.
1: My heart cries for the nation because you know the cabinet reshuffle of pretty much as a result of uh, political movements. Um, it is not informed by the need for uh, a change in the outcomes of our institutions. The direct reason why you're asking the question you're asking is probably premised on the change in the National uh, Executive Committee of the ruling party. And everyone then, therefore, is expecting that the decision to have a reshuffle uh, as a result of the political change and the political movement within the ruling party. Um, For me, what should inform and even change who is appointed as the new cabinet would be those people who will propel us towards a change in the outcomes of where our country is. If we're talking about uh, changing tax revenue, you spoke about the tax rate, if we're changing the Outcomes from an economic growth perspective, I know you haven't mentioned that today, uh, our growth is lessening to almost 0.6, 0.7, less than 1% growth is projected for this year. Who is going to take us to a place where we have economic output coming from the different sectors and tiers of society, including the majority of those Africans or not There, You spoke about a social relief distress grant. Who is going to enable our people to no longer be dependent? What are the strategies to employ so that we can have a society that is actively, economically active and participating in the labor market? Now the question that I would ask is, is a cabinet reshuffle informed by the political movements of the ruling party sufficient and uh, going to be what we need to take the country forward? I would say the meritocracy argument uh, is where we need to focus. Based on merit, who are the people that the president should put in place in these key positions based on expertise so that we can have people with merit, meritocracy based uh, uh, approach uh, rather than a political party approach? And I think that that for me is where there is a challenge. What we have seen is that the cabinet reshuffles do not inform the economic indicators or the concerns where the business a household or international markets or our financial markets have, it doesn't change the economic outcome. It simply changes based on the political uh, changes of the principal economic environment. Um, and that does not change what South Africa needs. So mm. for me, the question we need to ask is, who are the people that will take us forward? And the president should be able to appoint beyond those people who are within Uh, the ruling party if they are not going to take us forward to the outcomes that we need as a country. And I think that's the discussion we should be having to say. We cannot continue to be moving ministers as though uh, the policy directive of a country is not important. In fact, policy environment is so critical in the nation, it affects outcomes across government, labor, across the financial and international trade markets, that those people we put there should have a key ability and shown merit that can move us forward. And you should be getting the best of the best. If you mm. look at the Singaporeans as an example, let's go to micro level principles. They get the best people out of their education system, out of their, they pay them the, the best because they understand the importance of primary school education, high school education, and taking children through a, a proper education system where they mathematical and liter- literacy uh, levels or at the level where they can produce, where they can contribute to a society. In South Africa, it is almost that we do not concern ourselves at the highest level, at minister level, even at a principal level, at a micro level when we look at our schooling system, uh, of employing those who have the merit and the capabilities to actually uh, to give us the results that we seek. So I think that mm. that is for me, what should be underpinning a shuffle, a reshuffle.
0: Yeah. Give us a call. 86 0 We'd like to be a part of this conversation. Let's go to the lines. Stembe, so in Durban. Good morning.
2: Hi. Hi, uh, Oliver. And how is Dr. Mollet presented? Yeah, I was, yeah, I um, can't say upset, but, you know, um, uncomfortable with the the of uh, you know, bringing your religion to this space, because I mean, it's an opium of the masses, really, and it's not a solution. I mean, if anything, it, it is oppression. Um, you know, and also, you know, just as a woman, you know, you basically are undermining the Constitution if you insist uh, on religion and prayer, because you know that it's anti-women. And then, like, in terms of the and is the doctor, the doctor who is on the planning commission in the presidency. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, if you could clarify that as well, because I'm kind of now connecting the prayer, you know, with this thing that is intellectual and academia. Once we move to the other side, you know, we tend to turn it down a bit. Mm. Um, yeah. So so what I, I would like to know from her and from you, Oliver, to engage you on is that, is this not the end of hi- history? You know, should we not be... Um, you know, at the end of history, the end of politics, where we say everything else has failed because it's systematic. Scrap everything because, I mean, it's a system, you know, that is designed to fail, right? Mm. So get rid of the Constitution. Let us start afresh because, you know, you'll have a 100 presidents, you'll have a 100 political parties, but they go and operate within the same system, which is not developed, yeah. which is not designed, you know, to develop. Uh, black people, and which is not designed to change the economic structure, which is neoliberal and anti poor, right? Mm. You know, is, is it is not time to start afresh. You know, basically, what Lindy, with Zulu was, uh, no, Lindy Zulu was saying, and we attacked her instead of engaging with what she was saying, you know, to say the greatest oppressor of this country is this constitution, in particular, Section 25, right? Yeah. And you can't pick Section 25 on its own. You need to scrap everything and start afresh. Right, and part of that starting afresh, you know, we we'll have to punish, uh, you know, uh, the capital which benefited from um, a, a apartheid, you know, and and you know, basically going back to negotiations, you know. Yeah,
0: thank so you so, so much for your call, Tembe. So really, really do appreciate it. Uh, do do you want a response to that, Dr. Muloko?
1: Yes, if, if if you would allow me. Thank you so much for the for the comment from the uh, lady that uh, just called in. I think that uh, starting on the last point. Um, If you go to, when she talks about Section 25 of the Constitution, um, it's about the expropriation of land that she's talking about Mm -hmm. and uh, how the issue of land reform in this country and the dispossession of the majority of the people of South Africa as a result of uh, the the discriminatory laws um, has not necessarily been sufficiently uh, restituted. The redress is not equitable and sufficient and adequate. So this, however, in the current dispensation hasn't taken place. And for us to change this, this is where I go back to the beginning and where, for me, um, I, I don't think I would necessarily agree that um, religion is the opium of the masses. I, I do know that statement is moved flatly across. Uh, my view is that where the problem begins is that when you look at how do we rectify some of these inequalities in South Africa. One of them, and from an economic perspective, we talk about the factors of production, land, capital, labor. Land is one of the instruments through which you can rectify uh, some of the anomalies in our labor market, in our, in our ec- economic system, and so forth. The issue of making sure that there's equitable redress from a land perspective and land reform, it requires, from a principle and a, and a, and a heart perspective, a change in the hearts of the people in this nation. Mm. It requires a, a heart change for, of those who are the beneficiaries to actually own up and accept that uh, we have gained. It also requires a heart change from those who will be beneficiaries to say, how do we work and kill the land so that there is a harvest? It requires a change in the system where you process those goods from a, a primary to a value added in the secondary sector to say how do we employ different factors of production to add value in those. Now, if we simply say this is going to be done, uh, there are constraints. The constraints are the laws that are in place, the property rights that are in place, the clause, the sunset clauses that we accepted and embraced as a nation. For you to redress that, You have to call all the players, you have to call all the stakeholders together, you have to agree what is for the good of the nation, not what is good for a constituency. And the question that I have and I pose is, how will you get South Africans to that place if you do not pray? How will you get South Africans to that place where they look beyond their own interests? And they look to the interests of the national interests and the people of South Africa across the racial divide, across rich and poor, across those who have benefited and those who have not benefited. Because right now, if you look at the hearts of our people, we are a broken society. There's so much anger. There's so much brokenness. Uh, There is a division uh, that I don't think in the natural you can get people to a point of solidarity. So for me, it still remains that yeah. um, on the Section 25. But I do think that we've got to have an equitable redress of all the factors of production, including capital. Land is one. Capital. Redress around financial instruments, uh, capital in terms of access to capital for economies but also uh, in the financial markets. And mm. so this redress needs to happen, and you've got to change the system. Then there's a great resistance to that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, 86 percy in Matlosana. Good morning.
3: Uh, good morning, Oliver, and your guests. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, Oliver, I'm not excited about the honor today, because eh? our president keeps promising RT uh, promises. For an example, last year, sauna promised us SAU hundred days in his office dealing with uh, unemployment. He did nothing. Again, promise people of South Africa, we will reduce their cabinet members, those ministers who cannot see on the ground. We did, we didn't. For an example, our NEC of uh, rural development here in, in Northwest, we can reach him almost five years. We complain, we send the letter, we don't know you. That is the NEC of rural development.
2: Mm. Mm. We
3: can reach him, we don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, thank you so and much for even
3: that. Do, even, even those who surround our president, they are captured. We don't know the report of Zondo it be implemented because of our check testing of the ANC has been implemented of wrongdoing in Busasa update security. But is there?
0: Yeah. Percy, thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate it. I'm gonna to have to leave it there. Doctor Tabi. saying Muliko, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh Dr. Muliko is a development economist at Stellenbosch Business School.